Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver-area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is uh, Kyle Rittenhouse trial day number 10, and we'll be talking a lot about that. Chuck and Bonnie, well, Julie Hayden, True Straight Up, brought to you by AmericaCitizenPress.com and Denver Synagenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. Hey, let me, before we launch into this, um, remind you that you can always um, catch all of our shows at ChuckandJulie.com. We have links there to every place. Um, and if you want to um, sign up for our newsletter, you can do it there too. Um, we'd love to have people sponsor us and you can get all of that information at bbsradio.com backslash Chuck and Julie show. Um, we're also on Substack now too, um, just, just in case, you never know. YouTube today, it was kind of funny during the closing arguments, YouTube accidentally suspended all of the independent live streaming of the trial. Mm-hmm. You know, YouTube is saying the only one authorized sources have been authorized, you know, that they have authorized to. So what a joke that is. Yeah, we'll be talking about that. And I want to encourage folks to weigh in. Um, 888-627-6008 is the number to call. 888-627-6008. We love to have people listening to us on Zoom. And if you're on Zoom, you can go ahead and either just type your comments in the chat section or go ahead and unmute yourself and you can comment there too. Bring your video up if you want to do that Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And anyone, if you want to just take over the show. If you want to join us on Zoom, the way you do that is you just go to zoom.us and then the meeting number is 209-576-423, 209-576-423. I think what's going on, obviously, if you're listening to this later, this will be over, but live right now, the defense is presenting its closing argument. The way it works is, um, first, they have incredibly boring, but really important jury select or jury um, instructions, and they went over those earlier. Um, then the prosecutors, theoretically, the judge said everybody had two and a half hours, but later said the prosecutors could spend the rest of the month. <sighs> yeah, but you know what? I think that's good because every time the prosecutors open their mouth, it does not go well for them in this case so far. But so the prosecutors go first, then the defense attorney, and that's what's going on right now. The defense attorney is presenting his closing argument, and we'll talk about what a great job he's doing. Then the prosecution gets to go one more time, and they call that rebuttal. Um, and, and usually it's not that much of a rebuttal. Usually, I mean, everybody knows what everybody's going to say. Usually that's when they just, in my experience well, covering I, it, they try to sort of emotionally appeal. Well, it's, you know, you get your last, whoever gets last chance, they get first and last bite at the apple, which is right. part of the, <clears throat> this, the reason why so much of the court system is so really crooked in favor of prosecutions. Um, but if you've ever been to a federal trial, they do it somewhat differently. They, they have the um, two closing arguments and then they give the jury. Well, and they, what they do here and they'll do this again, too, is a lot of times then what they do is right at the end. Then the judge will give some additional. They'll ones. give the, they'll tell them how to fill out the jury form, yeah, right. which is in this case, it's interesting. They allow. Well, first, big. Well, they allowed the um, include a second degree murder what would be the equivalent in Colorado, a second degree murder, a lesser but included charge, but huge victory for the defense um, and sort of showing the sliminess of the prosecution. Yes. This morning, the judge threw out the gun charge. So you know how Ben and Jerry's over the weekend was horrifyingly tweeted, Kyle Rittenhouse illegally mm-hmm. carried the gun across state lines and shot and killed all these innocent people. Well, number one, the gun was never carried across any kind of state line. Right. Um, keeping in mind that, of course, no one cares that the protesters are coming from a cross straight line, but that was right, just right, a right. lie. Okay. And number two, even when Ben and Jerry's tweeted that it was still a legal question. Was it legal or not? That was why it was a charge. Um, and the jury would decide, but today the judge acknowledged that the Wisconsin gun law, that it's complicated. And I don't know. But it's not to- that complicated. If you're 16, then um, you can't be carrying a rifle unless you're unless you got a hunting license. If you're 17, then you can't have one unless you have a hunting license. And it's it's not a short-barreled shotgun or some other one. Uh, There's an AR-15 that has a 16-inch barrel, so it's pretty clear they've never should have had the 
the claim. Yeah. Um, and I think the defense brought that out. Here's basically the, the prosecution gave everything with, with Prosecutor Blinger. Binger. And Blinger. Binger. Oh. Blinger. Binger. No, I think it's Blinger. I think it's a G there. But anyway. Um, yeah, but there's no L. We digress. Oh, okay. Can you imagine? Oh, my well, no, why would facts? Can you, you imagine what my like? life is like? <laughs> you can uh, tell us a lawyer who's the reporter. If you're the lawyer, you just say whatever sounds good. Well, back in the old days when you were a reporter, you tried to actually get people's names right. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and he's a very bright guy. Went to University of Michigan Law School, which is the top 10 law school in the country. One of the top 10. Um, and very capable, uh, but a slimeball. A utter amoral slimeball. Um Throughout this case, with the bringing the charges within 48 hours, um, having some of the witnesses charged so they can't testify at the trial, uh, constantly lying um, to the people. Uh, and, you know, lying is, is, is very effective um, if there's not a good rebuttal. And thank God, um, everybody was terrified on this. Um, some of the commentators. Kind of, well, the commentators. And what is it called? Kita? Yes. Uh, law. And they would say, oh, no, oh, no. He's going to, oh, no. They were it's worried the Binger. defense attorney it's was going to be Binger. It's not going to be Jackus. Um, but it turns out that uh, Mark um, Richards. Richards. Uh, the defense attorney. The defense attorney, the, the primary one, although Jackus is, is from a different law firm, um, but has been doing a lot of the better job on the on the cross-examinations, the direct and everything else, and, and uh, Binger is not making the objections he should make and everything else, um, which reminds me of another. Wait, Jack, where, make, your, make your point. Make your uh, point. Well, that there are some lawyers that only go to closing arguments. That's all they're good for. And Walter Grash was that. Walter Grash yeah, didn't point. know how to make He was objection. a famous Denver trial attorney. He people. did the United Bank a murder case. A bunch. A bunch. Um, mm-hmm. And, and he, he stunk on, on cross. He stunk on direct. He stunk on objections. That's why I had Scott Robinson. He always needed a good, bright, young attorney. He had Springer for a while um, there to make all the objections, do all the other things. But he could make one hell of a closing statement. And I'll have to say, uh, to the shock of everyone, including myself, Mark Richards is giving one hell of a Kyle, Kyle Ricken, yeah. And here, I mean, this was his opening. We'll talk about the prosecutions first, but um, but the opening statement from the defense attorney was, Mr. Binger, to the jurors, Mr. Binger, lied to your face. The truth matters. This is not a game. And now he's been going through showing the lies. So we'll go through what the prosecution said. And it is unusual. Um, I've covered literally hundreds of cases, and usually the prosecution um, are pretty dry in a lot of their, I mean, they make good comments. George Brockler is, is a particularly good prosecutor, but they're usually pretty dry and they don't, they don't go way out, you know, off the reservation, so to speak. They can don't I even to. Say that? Well, because they don't have to. And, and what they want to do is almost always kind of hammer home the law and explain why they proved what they did. But he just kept making outrageous statements um, that were clearly lies that he knew the defense was going to be able to argue was well, lying. I don't know. He didn't know. I mean, well, you know, it, it, you'd have to decide whether you're going to go after the prosecutor as your main line of defense. And, well, and, and he is. And, and, and yeah, and Richard Stoss well, goes, like, goes, could I finish? I'm sorry. Um, he, he really just, just went right after him from the very beginning. And he did expose the lies. And, and I, I would think that the jury has no trust. I mean, normally the defense attorneys, because they're the ones who need the imaginations right. off and the flights of fancy prosecutors, just the law, I'll right. just give the law. That's nothing about the law. And here uh, having a terrible case and being dishonest people, crooked prosecutors, they're, they're having finger represents everything we all hate about. Well, and it's, it's almost as if they spend too much of their time, the prosecution reading MSNBC tweets or something like that and thinking they have a good case. I want to start with, and, and they're, they're making assumptions. Now, again, we'll see, obviously this goes to the jury. They're making a lot of assumptions that people are going to buy their version of, of events. Right. And that, and their, their belief systems and things like that. We got some Sabbath I want to play. The first one was that which to me is bizarre because it is so easily attacked is they're attacking Kyle Rittenhouse knowing that they just had to drop 
the gun charge, knowing that Kyle Rittenhouse and the defense can now say Kyle Rittenhouse was perfectly legal in possessing the gun that night. They go ahead and start attacking him for having a gun in the first place, even though several of their witnesses, including one who tried to kill allegedly, well, not allegedly, but tried to kill Kyle Rittenhouse, um, had guns, right? Somehow it's okay when their people have well, well, guns, their gun- they're heroes. Well, yeah, but their gun, it was one of them had a gun that he killed or shot. Well, the other guys, the brothers that they won't allow to testify also had guns. They also had guns, but he also, uh, because he was a felon and and other things, wasn't... Couldn't have a gun that night. Didn't, didn't uh, serial rapist felon, yeah, not no, just your yeah. pedophile serial rapist felon, by the way. So afraid, but but and, and the one of the things that he tried to argue the uh, Binger was that basically Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty by the very fact, forget the amendment, that the very fact that he legally possessed a gun there that night. So Thomas, if we could play the gun sound bite, please. That Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know. You can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. When- what? What do you mean you lose the right to self-defense when you brought the gun? I mean, so the guy who brings a knife is fine when you bring a gun. I mean, it's not a good idea to bring a knife to a gunfight, but if you do it and you try to kill somebody, someone can shoot you. And and what then the defense was making out the witness that he was talking about. This is the first guy who was shot and killed by Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, He's trying to say he was shot in the back. He's trying to say he was. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't. I mean, their their own witness, and this is what the defense is doing a great job of bringing out that. Rosenbaum was lunging for the gun, had actually grabbed the gun, had gunshot residue on his hand, which could only have occurred. And then the defense did a really good thing. He kind of stood by the jury and he said, okay, the farthest he was away, he was running after him, chasing him after having threatened to kill him, cornered him, and then was four feet away when Rittenhouse first fired. And he stood four feet from the jury and he said, Mm -hmm. this is how far he was. And then he lunged. Yeah. (laughs) And then he lunged. So that argument went out. um, And then he was also able to very cleverly bring in that some of these people were in, in jail and things like that. It can't the one author guy, meds. The, yeah, the one guy was a serial rapist, like literally accused, I think, or convicted pedophile, pedophile of raping five children. Um, the other guy was a domestic violence strangulation problem. And the defense attorney has been doing a marvelous job of saying, well, when he was in jail, they didn't give him his meds. I mean, they can't bring up the criminal history, but right, they can point right. out the fact that he was in jail and not getting his meds. This is from Sandra. Hopefully, well, we'll get to this in a second. Hopefully, the jury is smart enough to see the difference. And this from Jacob. I heard on the radio that if Rittenhouse is innocent, several banks may be in legal trouble because these banks would not let um, Rittenhouse open up a a defense account. Um, I think they took his GoFundMe account away, too. They wouldn't let him do that. Well, he eventually raised a lot of money. They did raise a lot of money. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. They probably have a right to refuse accounts, although maybe they shouldn't. I mean, it's just it's tiresome how politically correct. And against the average citizen, so many. But I mean, let's start with that. I mean, that's an assumption on the de- prosecutor's point that somehow, and that's why I think the left, like, they get themselves in trouble, fortunately, because they think, oh, everybody believes them, that somehow he's going to say, well, you, you lose the right to defend yourself if you carry a gun. I mean, think about that. The whole point. Of carrying, carrying a gun, gun is, for is to defense, defend yourself. Right. And the reason you carry it, most cops or people who carry it regularly, Rich Wyatt would tell you, is if everybody had a crystal ball and you knew when you were going to be walking into a dangerous situation or when you were going to be in a position where you needed your gun, well, then you would just carry your crystal ball around, right? But since we don't know that, the reason you carry your gun is in case. It's for self-defense. Arnie, I saw you turn on. If you want to go ahead, go ahead and un- unmute yourself and comment. You there, Barney? Or if not, we're going. Okay. I thought he was just saying, okay, well, oh, go ahead. Okay. Now there you are. Go ahead. There we go. All right. Okay. Hey, I, I got several things to cover here. So okay. just give me a second. Uh, let's start with the picture. If Tiger was in the back corner of your room there and I screenshotted you guys and Tiger and Tiger's holding a bat. Okay. There's Tiger. And I screenshot that and I, okay. and I, blow it up we're not like right now back there we're not sure if tiger's gonna whack julie in the head or chuck or or maybe the camera or maybe tiger doesn't like my voice and he's gonna whack the microphone or maybe tiger's gonna whack chuck's kneecaps but when you blow the picture up 
Tiger looks a lot closer, and he doesn't look like he's in the same position right. as he did in the back of the room. Right. Another thing, 5.56 five, ammo, full metal jacket. 99.9% of 5.56 five, is full metal jacket. 55 grain, 65. In fact, I could almost say 100% of it is. It's irrelevant, but the prosecutor made it sound like. Right. Well, so they didn't use PowerPoint bullets. He didn't right, right. But, sure but, kill but, bullets. But exactly. The liberals don't want us to have hollow point bullets. It's no, stupid. they kill people but, too much. Yeah, but I got news for you. Uh, any cop knows that his his bulletproof vest is not going to stop a 5.56. Five, Just not. Not going to happen. It won't stop a forty four Magnum, more than likely. So when they talk about body armor, that's another joke. Another thing, the gun charge. It took this long for them to figure out. Okay, first off, the ATF throws a lot of crap out there. So it's very, some of these gun laws are very confusing. You can have an AR pistol, but it has to, the the stock can only be so long. It could be a brace. The barrel can be nine inches, but you can't take a nine inch barrel and put a full size stock behind it. There's all kinds of good, and you can't take a, supposedly when they come out, you can't take an AR pistol and hold it up to your shoulder. All kinds of stupid things. But you're telling me today? You guys figure out that this is actually a 16-inch barrel, regardless yeah. whether it's a 14 with a two-inch flash hider. Today, oh, they you're going to drop that. No, they, that's they so knew. sleazy. I they, know. they knew. They knew, and they were just going to wait and yep. see what the judge did. They didn't get away with it, which is yeah. all another thing. Let me just interrupt you one second. The reason that is, though, I think you, you can't underestimate how important that is. That the diff, because they want to be able to say he illegally had the gun, right? So if you right. illegally have a gun, well, that might say something about your mindset. But when now the defense can argue, no, he legally had the gun, right? And plus, it undermines right. how how hypocritical and sloppy and just downright dishonest the mainstream media is that keeps tweeting about him illegally having the gun. But, but anyway, so that's what's crazy about that though. Hang on a minute. Today, I finally hear the term straw purchase. So they're going after the kid diamond back or whatever his name is for the straw purchase, but not Kyle. That kind of surprises me. I would think if there's a straw purchase, you know that you're both responsible, but well, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. That case has been. You got to. The, the prosecution is sleazier than you're than you're realizing. That case has been adjourned. It said. Now I'm not sure what that I know. means. So he could I testify, know, just like the other brothers are under that would be helpful to the defense. Were the ones well, who fired right. the first shots, right? They can't testify. I bet you a billion dollars. Right. I mean, it can't be a straw purchase if he but, possessed but, it legally, right? So well, I mean, exactly, exactly. So you're right, but I I just think that Kyle would be up for a straw purchase charge too. But forget right. that. Uh, by the way, the people that and I'm not really big on. Sharia law, and although I think that's what we got here, we got karma. Rosenbaum raped little boys between nine and eleven years old. That's a fact. Yeah. Don't know how many. It was more than five. I thought it was nine. Well, but I think he those, was convicted of five. Okay, so the, so we can figure that he's convicted of five. He probably raped thirty or fifty, right. whatever. Uh, karma caught up to Rosenbaum. Period. Whether it's the universe catching up to him or not, even though I still think. Kyle was a jackass for taking a gun there. It doesn't matter. Uh, Well, I know, I know, but I think that when you, you, but hang on a minute, when you use your example, Chuck, you were there to defend your wife. You had to defend your wife. You were kind of, I'm I'm sorry. I just think if I show up at a riot, if I show up with a concealed carry, as a concealed carry, carrying a gun, and I'm going to run my mouth and antagonize Jeremy, that's who I was looking for, whatever his name was, then then I'm asking for trouble. It's a different, I agree. But now, but you I mean, right push back there. in that a little bit. If you listen to the testimony, the defense attorney is doing a good job, and we'll play another soundbite that shows how they're juxtaposing this. There, and it'll depend. I mean, once again, you've hit kind of the key issue on the head as in terms of how the jurors are going to look at it. But the uh, defense attorney is going through an opening arguments and getting all the people who say the car source people wanted help. Kyle yes. went down there to give help. He was keep in mind, the shooting thing only took two minutes and 55 seconds. 
All the rest of the evening, he is basically going around helping people. He only leaves, right. I think, the parking lot when they start sending it on fire, right? And then he right. loses his friend. He had given his friend his bulletproof vest, which arguably, why is he doing that if he's looking for trouble? Exactly. I, As I, an active shooter. You're right. Right. And right. I think he's wandering around. So, and I think, but like you're, I mean, the, the prosecution is trying to call him an active shooter. Can you believe this? They called the mob heroes. They said these were heroes. <laughs> This defense attorney is awesome. He yes. is ripping them up. He hasn't skipped a beat. He hasn't missed a beat. And clearly, when you listen to the open arguments of the prosecution, it's a constant, nonstop lion weasel. It's funny yeah. how he's basically saying the kid that pulled the Glock on Rittenhouse, oh, no, that was an involuntary after his arm blew off. You have testimony, you dumbass. Right. I don't know. It's and then one other thing. One one minute somewhere in there, the prosecutor said, you're responsible for every bullet that comes out of that gun. But then it was OK for the kid to shoot the warning shot. Warning shots right. are not allowed. You that, don't yeah. you know, that's that another be- jackass, whatever. Uh, they made asses out of themselves. I, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't know how you can convict him on any of this now. And it's funny listening to that when the judge was arguing with them about the lesser charge crap. That's what I was trying to ask you earlier. Right. Why can't I throw that in there and say, hey, you got, and he did. Basically, this lawyer, man, you, he called the prosecutor a liar. Yeah. He said, you guys are yes. lying to your faces. Yeah. And he Junior, said, I, I, this is unreal. I have never seen. You've never hear, seen anything go like that. It is good. I mean, you can hear the, the righteous indignation in his voice. Bonnie, I have Absolutely. to tell you, this is from Jacob, though. MSNBC's Joy Reid called truck drivers old white troublemakers and Trump supporters. Yeah. So We are. We are, Jacob. We're white trash, man. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'm not going to bring a gun. I got pepper spray. And let me tell you what. A little pepper spray. See, I got my ass kicked when I was 50 years old. I realized I'm not a tough guy anymore. Pepper spray and a stick. I'm telling you, it's great. It's and actually a fire extinguisher works. I was surprised when they talked about the fire extinguisher. You blast a six foot six guy in the face with the fire extinguisher, and then you heart punch him. I guarantee you, from my past experience, they are on the ground. I will guarantee it. You don't need a gun all week. I, you know, and one other thing, Chuck, I walk into my gun store to replenish my pepper spray, and the guy says, I don't need that. I got a Glock. I am not lying to you, delivering fuel for 35 years. If I would have used a gun every time, I could have, dealing with street people, drunks, drug addicts, whatever, I would have, there'd be 10 people dead. That's all I'm saying. I like the pepper spray. I really don't want to be in the universe. Nothing wrong. As the no, one nothing wrong there. Pepper spray no is body. awesome. Maybe get them in the ice. Hey, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Okay. Uh, Chuck, Thank you for the Love call. your opinion. See you guys. Oh. Bye. All right. Unmute um, me. <laughs> all right. 888-627-6008. If you want to call in, if you're on Zoom and you want to uh, unmute yourself and comment like Barney did, you can absolutely do that too. Well, one of the things that the prosecution, in my opinion, is doing majorly wrong, and, and tell them that you're when you're putting together the narrative, tell them your, your theory is well, the Well, the theory is the best defense is one closest to the truth. And really, it's any story you tell in court, this one's best uh, it's closest to the truth. You don't want to be too literal. You can't tell a good story, but you start varying too much from the truth and you can get really zapped. And I think that's what happened to this prosecutor. He decided to tell stories that weren't very close to the truth, no. not even arguably. And I think, I think they're going to punish him. I, I mean, I, I was not um, sanguine about a not guilty verdict and all the charges. Um, I don't know, you know, the prosecutor will get to come back, although he's, his credibility has been so tarnished by the, by the defense. Um, maybe he can make a great argument finishing up. Uh, but but well, I, mean, I, I, think, I think this was, I thought it was just a brilliant idea. You know, go after this prosecutor because he's not likable. There's something sleazy well, about and him. Here's highly thing. intelligent, but sleazy. And corrupt, and and people don't like prosecutors 
who are corrupt, although so many of them are. Well, I think part of the problem is, again, going back to the gun soundbite we played you, he has fallen into the trap of thinking that everybody thinks like he does. He's viewed this case clearly not from a legal or prosecutorial point of view. He's viewed it through this liberal garbage lens. And so what happened to them, and we'll get to some great quotes that the defense attorney had, is they're just thinking, well, everybody's going to blame Kyle for even showing up in the first place. And what the witnesses say doesn't matter. But instead, all of his witnesses keep blowing up on him and his witnesses under cross-examination have to keep acknowledging, well, yeah, Kyle was being attacked. Well, yeah, I did have the gun pointed at Kyle's head. And yes, I was lying when I said I dropped the gun. I mean, so now all of a sudden in the last minute, he's got to come up with this provocation defense. And, and so, the judge shouldn't allow it. No. And so what they did is they had this some expert, expert, came up with it was this one grainy piece of video that they like manipulated and you, right, and you look right. at it you're like what is, uh-huh. is that two women with a vase there i mean um and and they're claiming that it shows Kyle Rittenhouse pointing the gun at somebody. Well, the pros or the defense attorney was great today. He said it's hocus pocus and, and out of focus. focus. Yeah. And somebody else was tweeting, if the pixels don't fit, you, you must, must acquit. <laughs> um, and he pointed that out. He said that, you know, this didn't come up. He was saying you didn't hear anywhere on the case anything about provoca- uh, pro- provocation, 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 um, because of, it wasn't their theory until their case blew apart. Yeah. And then he's saying it clearly you can't see. But let me, the other thing, oh, everybody's saying, let's go Barney. Um, that's right. If you, Jacob says, if you use a fire extinguisher, you'd hit the guy over the head, that's attempted murder. Um, it, particularly if it's a Capitol Hill police officer where you don't even hit him. Um, and who doesn't want to just cut the prosecutors here? He's all show, no go. Um, here's another thing, too, where he just buys into the lie. So he's trying to tell the jurors that these were mostly peaceful protests. Just good old American. Yeah, yeah that these were. Right. And he's saying that Kyle Rittenhouse is an active shooter and the guys that were attacking him, that he actually, what did he say? about Huber, who was the second, the guy that got shot after he hit Kyle twice in the head with the skateboard and was trying to grab his gun, right? He said he saved lives. Um, yeah, oh yeah, he was his lifesaver, all right. Well, we know something about um, Antifa and other ones, Black Lives Matter skateboard, because when we were down yeah. at the Capitol uh, for the pro-police one, um, the head of the, the guy who sponsored the, the thing um, they took the skateboard to his head and right. cut it all apart. So that's that's one of their tactics. It kind of it sounds so. It's well, just it's a skateboard. You don't think well, it's no different than a, than a bat. No, uh, you I, put I mean, in your hands and swing it, you can kill somebody. No problem about it. And that's exactly what they do. And, 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 and well, exactly. And he's trying to say, well, he carries a skateboard with him everywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. that's that's hit why, yes, he does. So he can attack people. I mean, they leave out the fact, but they can't, they can't talk about this. I'm in the not trial. sure if I was uh, um, Binger that I'd, I'd want to run. For, he ran before for, for a, uh, well, it depends on how this lead, comes out. Lead prosecutor and he lost. Well, I don't but care he literally called the mob. Um, and including Huber, including including the people who were shot, heroes, and tried to portray them as, and we'll get to what the defense attorneys had to say about this, tried to portray them as heroes chasing down an active shooter, compared them to cops chasing down an active shooter situation. As opposed to Rittenhouse, who is accused of being a wannabe cop. That's These right. were real cops. These are real. So if we could play the mob hero soundbite, please, Thomas. When they're told that person running up the street just shot someone, We don't have time in the moment to go back and take a look at the body and replay the video and make a decision before going after the person with the gun. You know, we've had several police officers testify that in an active shooter situation, their first instinct, their first training is to go in and stop the threat. They don't sit there and wonder, well, maybe it was self-defense. I don't know. I'm going to, you know, wait and see. And every day we read about heroes that stop active shooters. That's what was going on here. And that crowd was right. And that crowd was full of heroes. That crowd did something that, honestly, I'm not sure I would have had the courage to do. If I see a guy running up the street with an AR-15 and I hear he just shot somebody... 
Did you hear that? That crowd was full of heroes. Let me tell you what the defense attorney had to say about that. He said that crowd and he, he was a rioter. He was burning a dumpster. He was chasing down Rittenhouse, hitting him on the head. He was no hero. The other guy was lunging for his gun after threatening to kill him. He was no hero. And then the other guy who got shot and wounded, he was pointing a Glock at his head when everyone else was backing up. He points out, and I think he's doing a great job of this, that this whole thing, because the left, see, they aren't telling you the truth about this. This whole incident here took two minutes and 55 seconds. Before then, Kyle Rittenhouse is wandering around the scene. He's at the that car place. Um, he's helping people. He's giving them bandages. He's saying, medic, medic. Um, he's not doing anything, right? And it's only after Rosenbaum, then this is the two minute, 55 second, the one guy who had previously said, I'm going to kill you, starts chasing him, that all of this other stuff happens. And he points and he points out, Carl Rittenhouse is not running around shooting wildly. There are all kinds of other people who are there who are clearly threatening, who are shouting, kill him, kill him, but are not actually doing something uh, to further an effort to kill him. He doesn't shoot them at all. He doesn't do anything. I mean, that's not an active shooter situation, right? This is someone who's shooting only people who are trying to hurt and kill him. And as Kyle Rittenhouse said, when Huber, yeah, he had a skateboard, but I knew if he knocked me out, he was going to grab my gun, shoot me and shoot other people. And yet the prosecutor has the nerve to say that that person was a hero. I mean, it's, and I don't think well, the jury's you know, going to buy the, that. The, 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 I said, the saying is the best defense that's closest to the truth. It It's never really said about prosecutions because they usually can just, you know, a guy shot him, you know, pretty right. close. Here, it's just, it's just, I would think the jury, it depending upon what their attitudes are coming into the trial, and just be outraged at, at this lying scum of a prosecutor. Maybe that's redundant, but. Um. <laughs> well, then with the, the other thing, what, what the defense is doing a very good job of showing is what a rush to judgment that was. I mean, yes, keep in mind, yes. Cal Rittenhouse tried to turn himself in there, couldn't because the cops clearly were idiots. But at any rate, um, so he goes back home to um, Antioch, Illinois, turns himself into police there, and they call Kenosha and the Kenosha police. And within, what, 48 hours, he's charged. Okay, now keep in mind, this is a complete riot scene. I mean, there's tons of witnesses. There is no way. They decided then and there what to do. The defense attorney points out, we'll get to another soundbite here, that um, they tried to, they collected, they had a search warrant for Kyle Rittenhouse's cell phone. So they gave it to him, right? And they sent it off to the FBI. The FBI couldn't open it. They didn't have the software. So they said, well, here's the passcode. We'll give it to you. We don't have anything to hide. They found nothing on the phone about militia, nothing on the phone about white supremacy, nothing on the phone that incriminates him at all in any way, shape, or form. Keep in mind, they also had a search warrant for the Grosskreutz guy. He's the guy that was pointing the Glock at his head. They had a search warrant for his phone. But guess what they did with that search warrant? Nothing. Didn't execute it. Didn't search his phone at all. Now, you got to ask, like he said, why would they not do that, right? I mean, they had it. scummy, dishonest. Didn't even try, didn't even try to do that. So the defense is going on. He's saying he's lying to you about what the evidence shows. They're manufacturing this picture. um, So don't be fooled by that. And instead they're going through, the defense is going through all of the witnesses saying, here's what the witness told you or told you. Um, And that, and he said, you know, they're making up that you can't have a gun, that the mere fact of possessing a gun all of a sudden makes, eliminates the self-defense thing. This was not a bunch of heroes. This was a mob that was rioting and destroying Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, And the prosecution decided for political reasons, they were going to go after Rittenhouse from the very beginning and didn't even consider anything else. And then as we all know, then continue to, I mean, I would think there's some sort of obligation if you're in a prosecutor and you realize that the, um, that the evidence does not fit the charge. I would think that there'd be some You'd have to drop the charge, right? But instead, they don't. Well, they why do, why make... do you think that? Well, would I know. Be the case. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I suppose you have to have probable cause to bring the charge. You don't have to believe it beyond the reasonable doubt. Um, and of course, you're you know they they have immunity, and they're never going to be charged with anything. Right. Um, so it's it's. And this it's, is from Sandra. What a jackass! The left never tells the truth. Let me. But now, now let's get into the tricky part, though. And here's kind of when I want to go to Barney's part. And if you guys want to chime in again, 888-627-6008, 888-627-6008. So what do we think is going to happen? I think that what's going to happen is 
um, directly, and this will, if you're listening to this in the podcast, it's already probably happened. They'll wrap up the closing arguments. The case will go to the jury. Um, probably given the time in Wisconsin, the jurors probably won't really start deliberating until tomorrow. They gave them the choice. Okay. Um, well, and maybe they might want to start. They might not. Um, I'm going to make a prediction here. Um, I, I don't know that you get an outright acquittal on this. I think that you've got 12 people. Look at the the different ways that the world is viewing this case as it is, right? I think it's going to be very hard to convince 12 people that everything was self-defense and that Kyle Rittenhouse bears um, no amount of responsibility. I don't personally think he does, but to convince 12. On the flip side of that, though, I think it's going to be very hard to convince 12 people that there was absolutely no self-defense involved in this. So I'm thinking there might be a good chance for a hung jury in this case. What do you think? I, I certainly believe before I heard the arguments um, this afternoon that it would be a hung jury, a lot of, along the lines that you talked about, because the jury pool has got, you know, probably equal amount of lefties and righties and whatever else. I do say after listening to that in the outrageous conduct of the prosecutor and the defense attorneys uh, bringing up how outrageous the yeah. prosecutor is, now he's lying to him and everything else. Uh, I, I think that he'll be found not guilty on most of the charges. There may be one that they're hung on or two, but uh, my view of what was going to happen, they really changed based on how far out um, um, Binder, Binger, Binger, Binger uh, went uh, and how good. And everybody's afraid that Mark Richards would suck because he sucked for the whole trial. Uh, but boy, he gave a Walter Grash. I think, I think you have a point there in that. I think if Binger had stayed closer to the actual truth, yeah. um, then he might have had a better chance. I think you're right. His horrific opening argument in the flat. I, I think if you're a juror, I mean, remember, these are jurors who live in Kenosha, Wisconsin, right? Or nearby. And they're like, no, these aren't, these aren't heroes, right? This is a bad time in our country. Um, the people who are burning down dumpsters and things like that, you may agree with their right to do it. But I imagine most of the jurors would not consider them heroes. And, and I don't think that most of the jurors are going to be like, oh, yeah, they were chasing him to stop an active shooter. No, they weren't. I no, mean, they weren't. No, they're no. They're just killing somebody they thought was on the other team. That's what they were going to do. But here's, here's the thing, though. It is, I think, the, the, the tricky case is going to be the first guy that he shot because that guy was not armed, so to speak. He was reaching for the gun. I think the pathologist's testimony was really helpful there, showing yes, how yes. he was shot. The prosecutor kept saying he was shot in the back, and the defense attorney said that's a flat-out lie. He wasn't shot in the back. Shooting in the back is if you're yeah. standing over somebody, you shoot down at the, right with them like that. He was shot. It kind of grazed his back because he was lunging right, at him, right. right? So that's a whole different thing. But, that's again, that was stupid of the prosecutor to do that. That's a flat-out lie. And, and, and I mean, and to try to, to mischaracterize the evidence, I still think it's but I could see a juror. I mean, I wouldn't, I would say, but I could see a juror saying, you know, I don't know about that guy. The other two, clearly he was being they didn't had a gun pointed at him. The guy was hitting him on the head. I could see uh, those. I, cases. I, I just think the the, the misactions of, of the prosecution could, you know, now. Can you get a hung jury? The one, the one person you can you get one person saying I'm not going to convict, and that's what it is. But I think they really killed their case. Even though I think all the people commenting was how Binger was doing a good job and arguing for it, but the farther he got into it, and the farther off yes. he went, the farther outside of the realm of possibility. I'm not closest to the truth, but even just lying. I'm just just right. <laughs> just just grotesque lying. I mean, it's kind of like okay. Who could what could we call these the rioters and looters? We can call them citizens protesting First Amendment rights, and then they try to stop an active shooter. Well, yes, I mean, that, but that didn't even make the bigger jump from that to heroes. I mean, heroes. that's 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 I mean, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, this is from Jacob. Where's Marsha Clark when you need her? Yeah, that's true. Um, and Leo, a I can't wait to see the mostly peaceful pro uh, protest that occur once he's acquitted. Yeah, you know, I don't. I, I, it's going to be tricky. This would be my guess because there's also a ton of video evidence in this. I think this could be a lengthy 
jury deliberation. And I have a feeling that you're going to get in cases like this, and this always happens. So be prepared for this. The jurors start asking questions because the jury instructions in terms of guilt and when can you consider the lesser but included charges, which I think are the equivalent of second degree murder, that's confusing to any jury. And they start sending out notes saying, can you explain this again? And they can't go back and explain. They always send a note back in, which I'm sure the jurors hate saying, um, you just have to use your best recollection. Then they send something out and they say, well, we can't we can't come to an agreement. And then they send something back and say, without without whatever, you know, um, stick to your principles and stick to your beliefs. But but listen to the other people and see if you can try to reach a verdict. Um, so it's not going to be that easy. There's a ton of videotape to look at, which in many cases is not entirely clear. Number one, well, easy to ex- see. Except they've watched it 10,000 times. Right. Um, <laughs> Oh, Jacob, this guy makes Marsha Clark look like Perry Mason. Well, and here's another- who, who's a prosecutor in, in Perry Mason. They always lost all the cases. No, no, no. That's that's who Blinger reminds me of. <laughs> here's another thing, too, though, that you got to be careful of. You know, the left knows that they're losing the case. I mean, even they've looked they at it care. and they're like, well, and again, they you talk to care. people and you've talked about this before. Most people think that that Kyle Rittenhouse shot three unarmed black people who were going like this. And right. He gunned them down. And he, yeah, and he just gunned them down. And um, and as the facts come out, it's like, oh, wait, number one, they were all white. Uh, and number two, um you know, they were threatening him. And in two cases, at least they were armed and actually attacking him. That's that's a little bit of a switcheroo that they didn't talk about before. The white supremacist militia stuff, absolutely zero evidence of well, that. Well, asked, uh, the Fox reporter asked uh, Jean Saki, um, why did the president call him a, a white supremacist? We're not going to comment. Well, we have that sound bite. <laughs> oh, Remember good, way good, back good. when, way back when, before the election, Joe Biden was happy to call Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist and Peter Doocy. Now that we know, I mean, you've got to believe if there was any evidence that Kyle Rittenhouse had ever even like briefly thought of looking for some information about white supremacists, we would have heard about it. But that's if we could play the Rittenhouse number three soundbite, please. Why did President Biden suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Kenosha is a white supremacist? Hmm. So, Peter, what I, I'm not going to speak to right now is anything about an ongoing trial, uh, nor the mm-hmm. president's past comments. Uh, what I can reiterate for you is the president's uh, view uh, that we shouldn't have, broadly speaking, uh, vigilantes patrolling our communities with assault weapons. We shouldn't have opportunists corrupting peaceful protests by rioting and burning down the communities they claim to represent anywhere in the country. As you know, closing arguments in this particular case, which I'm not speaking to. I'm just making broad comments about his own view. Um, There's an ongoing trial. We're awaiting a verdict. Beyond that, I'm not going to speak to any individuals or this case. But the president has spoken to it already. And his mom now, Kyle Rittenhouse's mom, came out saying that the president defamed her son. And uh, she claims that when the president suggested her son's white supremacist, he was doing that to win votes. Is that what happened? I just have nothing more to speak to an ongoing case uh, where the, (laughs) you know, and I I guess, can you sue the president of the United States for defamation? You know, yeah, that would be kind of good to see because it's like, you know, again, it was like, when, when Barack Obama was talking about, that, you know, he could be my son kind of thing. One thing politicians should not do ever is and nor really should celebrities and nor should LeBron James and all of these idiots. Right. Or Ben and Jerry's who just keep tweeting stuff that's not true. I mean, we've learned in the past few years, right, that the, the left wing controlled media, or the left wing co-conspirators could care less about whether it's true or not. They're going to continue saying that he illegally had the gun. They're going to continue to wrongly say that he carried it across state lines. Continue they're going to continue to frame this. In, right. They're going to continue to frame it in racist. Well, the director and- of Gasland, and I forget his name, but he's a big lefty. He says. You know, I, I want to support, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to offer any support for a murderer of my brothers. And you kind of, yeah, I bet you don't. 
Um, and it's just the left is so despicable these days. This is from Sandra. This is great. Peppermint Patty doing her thing. <laughs> yeah, That's on Jen exactly Saki. Right, right. <laughs> I knew Jen Saki reminded me of somebody. Well, you know, again, it's it's appalling that he was even commenting that anybody, any politician would immediately link him to white supremacy. But keep in mind, they don't care, right? We're white supremacists. Parents are white supremacists. Um, black people, Candace Owens, Casper Stockham, they're white supremacists even though they're black babies are born white supremacists. This is their thing, um, but they want to just keep going after. And so they're going to continue to do that. The judge is a white supremacist. The judge Mm -hmm. made a joke about Asian food. So he's racist. I mean, it was like ridiculous, right? This is is from Jacob. It's much to worry about after the Kamala Harris debacle. Oh, okay. Briefly, we can talk about that. If you don't know what Jacob is talking about, and you got to wonder who's leaking here. CNN did a story about the fact that Kamala Harris is all whiny because everybody at the West of the, the Biden side of the White House hates her. Um, and so they Jen Psaki and they had to know this. They had to do it on purpose to add fuel to the rumor, said, just in case anyone's wondering, we love Kamala. No, just- it's like, oh, right. Yeah, you're just going to really tweet that. But that's just the way they operate. Right. They're just going to lie to you. And farthest from the truth. <laughs> Make the statement farthest from the truth well, possible. And they um, want to frame it because I think they want riots, right? One way or the other. Oh, wow. They want riots. Sure, they sure. want riots one way or the other because it continues to fuel uh, the chaos that they want the country to be descended into. They want to destroy the country. They want to divide us on race. So it doesn't even matter if race, as, as in this case. I mean, the tweets that you read, it's like if a black kid. Uh, you know, had been in the streets that night, he would have been shot and killed by the police. It's like, what? What? You know, what? And then you want to say, you know what? If a black kid had been there and three white guys had chased him down and tried to clear him, he wouldn't be facing, I would bet, first degree murder charges in the case, right? He'd be probably, you know, have some fund named after him now and be making millions of dollars on TikTok and YouTube. Um. Oh, yes, Sandra is. And the judge has God bless the USA as a ringtone on his phone. Oh, oh no. no. How dare he do that? <laughs> How subversive. dare he? Because if you're a patriot in this country, that means you're a racist, right? Can't yeah, be. That it's it a, I mean, what if he has a Christmas song on it? Oh, well, that's, that's well, racist, Christmas? too. Well, yeah, that's clearly racist. So anyway, we'll, we'll see. I, I have a feeling that oh, the case went way better. Um, and the defense oh, is doing a good oh, closing argument. Oh. And, uh, you know, they, they keep on arguing that he shouldn't have taken the stand. And there's a lot of truth to that. But but when this when the uh, prosecutors go way overboard and describe him as a vigilante and a vicious and he came across absolutely the opposite of that. And I think it serves him well uh, for whatever the PR is afterward. People got to know him a little bit and got to see who he was and not just a blank face. Um, so in a self-defense case, you often need to put them on. Should I would, they have, you know, that's, I think, I think you could argue that they shouldn't have, but I think it really helped humanize them. This, and I'll say this, because again, I've covered bazillions of trials and I think there, there are different kinds of trials, right? Different kinds of cases. I've covered some where the facts just, you know, indisputably speak for themselves. I was covered one time as a horrific um, child abuse case where they killed a little boy by locking him in the closet for weeks and starving him. And the defense attorney tried to argue that he may have died of diabetes. Um, and of course he, the, they were convicted. They did not take the stand. And I think that's, you know, I mean, there was no, they locked him in the closet. And I mean, that there was tons of evidence that there was no point in them taking the stand. There's no way that you can explain that kind of thing. Um, I've covered other cases where I think the person taking the stand completely hurt themselves when they didn't have a good, there was another case where I won't go into it. It was like this weird psychological rebirthing thing where this little girl was supposed to be reliving her trauma by coming out of the birth canal. They wrapped her up in blankets and uh, suffocated her. That went badly. And the woman who did this, Rather than getting on the stand and saying, oh, my God, this went terribly wrong. We're so sorry. I mean, basically, she said, so a little girl shouldn't have died. She should have told us. I mean, it, I mean, she basically refused to take any kind of credit or show remorse. So she got convicted. Um, I think in a case like this, it's going to come down to not really what the facts are so much as how the jurors view the facts that have been prevented, well, presented. I mean, if you are, if you're a juror kind of like, and you're looking at even close, no offense, Barney, the way Barney does, I think you want to hear from Kyle Rittenhouse to say, what were you thinking? What were you trying to do? What was going through your head? And so I think in this case, 
you know, I, I think it was probably the best decision the defense attorney, given particularly how good he's been. You know, they practice. Oh, well, so, you know, it, uh, we should have brought the soundbite where, where a, a former prosecutor, uh, Matthew Morrison from Georgia was on with Sean Henry, who's a left wing Fox commentator. And he's, he's just saying, how dare that, that kid sound rehearsed. It sounded like he went over his testimony with his lawyer. Oh yeah. Oh, happened. Yeah. Oh no, you'd never <laughs> go over your with yours. I mean, just so pathetic <laughs> that they're doing that. Sandra um, asked, does the prosecution get a rebuttal closing? It does. Yes. And the judge basically said they can go along as long as they want. Hopefully they'd be digging themselves a bigger pit. Yeah. You know, normally um, the judges always tell, this is again, my experience. The judges always say that you only have, a, I was trying to see if it's on my Twitter feed, but it's not yet. You only have a certain amount of time and the lawyers agree. And for the most part, it's a pretty long time. And so the lawyers don't like to go over it anyway. Right. Um and then if somebody wants to go longer, the judge lets them because I have a, have a feeling you'd, you'd hate to be a judge and say, you know, get overturned on appeal because you were in a hurry to get home for lunch or something like that. No, but I don't think the prosecutor gets to argue both sides of his case forever. And, and, the, no. and the, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's I, I ridiculous. imagine they're setting some sort of parameters. No, they're not setting any parameters. Well, he clearly said he was not setting well, any Well, I imagine, I mean, if he's still doing it Thursday, I think he might say, okay, we need to wrap well, it up. He's going to, they're going to finish But I would today. say in this case, go for it. If you're the prosecutor, because well, I, I don't lost know. It so far. I don't know how he goes back and tries to argue. No, no, no. These people were heroes. The mob was a hero. Um, Huber, you know, wasn't said, even though he was setting dumpsters on fire and he was chasing him and trying to kill him, he was a hero who saved lives by trying to take out Kyle Rittenhouse. How on earth did he save lives? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Um, so we'll see on that. But I think back to the the issue of him taking the stand, I think that that was the best decision. I don't think the only decision, but the best decision that they could I, I make. Know. You know, it's helped in some ways and it always hurts in some ways. Well, it but. gives them stuff. It gives them stuff to attack you on. This from Charlene. Um, prosecution has nothing but a con intimidating game. Yes. yes. And Charlene, that raises another point um, that sort of throws a whole other aspect into the jury deliberations. You, you know, you've heard the Chicago police have <clears throat> had, you know, their vacation canceled. All the stores are boarded up again in Kenosha. Um, you got to wonder how much that impacts you as a juror as well. We know that there've been that, but the George Floyd friend yeah. saying they're taking pictures and, um, you know, you know, the jurors will be doxxed. Luckily, the FBI is too busy to yeah, be arresting Steve Bannon. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're busy arresting Steve Bannon and keeping an eye on parents and school board meetings right, so they right. won't be able to go after it. Our so, national, our own KGB, we get to suffer through. That's right. So anyway, so that is it. Um, for today, we'll see. I mean, you know, I don't know. Wednesday, we'll see. My prediction is we will not have a verdict by Wednesday. I think it's just a complicated case with a lot of different, a lot of different things for a juror to talk you about. You. No, have, again, I'm always wrong. You have when no, I say that. you have no, and that judges will tell you they're always wrong when they try to outguess a jury. Um, but I have no idea. I think it's possible that the 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 prosecutors annoyed enough people, but maybe not. Maybe some people like him. So who knows? Who knows? If you're a lefty, you might. Um, and then also on Wednesday, though, this we do know for sure. We're going to have Ben Murray from the Independence Institute had a really interesting article about Jared Polis saying, oh, I care so much about small businesses. Yeah, yeah. Well, he destroyed them all. Well, he destroyed them all during the lockdown. He's got some really startling um, statistics on just how devastating it was. So we'll be talking to him about that. So meantime, thank you to everybody on Zoom. Thank you to the guys at BBS. And we'll see you on Wednesday. See you Wednesday.